Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I am your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand, and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week, we have thought leaders, change instigators, and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive, and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love, and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning connection and resilience into your life and your business. As a way to thank our guests for their time, energy and wisdom, we would love to demonstrate our appreciation, gratitude and admiration. We would love to hear from you as to what was your key takeout from today's session by writing a review in Apple Podcast with our guest's name and insight. And when you do, Please make sure to take a photo and send your photo to support at katherineplano.com.au and you will receive a one-hour life coaching session for free, valued $500, to help you change your life for the better or to help you get unstuck if you are currently going through a transition or if you need a little motivation. Thank you. This week, as always, we have a super, super amazing guest for you. We have the beautiful Anne Bogle. Anne Bogle is an author, the creator of the blog Modern Mrs. Darcy, host of the What Should I Read Next and One Great Book podcasts. Her books include Don't Overthink It, Reading People, I'd Rather Be Reading and My Reading Life, A Book Journal. Anne's popular blog, Modern Mrs. Darcy, which derives its name from a Jane Austen book, is a lifestyle blog for nerds who appreciate Anne's modus operandi of approaching old familiar ideas from new and fresh angles. While Modern Mrs. Darcy isn't strictly a book blog, Anne writes frequently about books and reading. Her book lists are among her most popular posts and she is well known by readers, authors and publishers as a tastemaker. In the modern Mrs. Darcy book club, she helps people learn to read better together. Anne and all her books reside in Louisville, Kentucky, sharing space with her husband, four children and a yellow lab named Daisy. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, today I am super excited about our guest. We've got the lovely Anne Bogle. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Hello, Catherine, and thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you on the show. So the way that we love to start the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration. Ooh, that was a bit of a tongue twister. Uh, to share her unique story. So Anne, what inspired you to do what you do today? Oh, that's a good question. And also a winding road. I, When I went to school, I don't think there was such a thing as a podcast. Blogs might have been in their infancy. But my my 
project really started with my blog, Modern Mrs. Darcy, and it was born over New Year's late night sushi and a bottle of wine with my husband. We were having one of those conversations that goes, you know, how did the last year go? What were your highlights? What were the lows? What do you want to be different for next year? And he suggested I start a blog. And I said, well, that's a silly idea because I don't even read blogs. But 20 minutes later, he had talked me into to thinking like, sure, I could give this a try. And a couple months later, I put up my first post and that was a little over 10 years ago. So what I did was start writing about books and reading and other things I found interesting at the intersection of what is timeless for women and what is just timely, very current. Like, what does it mean today? And ended up connecting with other readers and finding the blogging community and starting a podcast and a member book club and writing my own books. And here we are. Love it. So your passion project turned out to be what you do today. It did. It started completely as a creative outlet, which I've since discovered is very common. I had small children. My youngest was one at the time I was working to pay the bills and just, I, it felt like the blog was mine and I could do what I wanted with it. And now it's a little bit the boss of me some days, but I'm not sorry about it. Mm. So for our listeners, uh, and we will have this in the show notes, so you can check out and it's modern Mrs. Darcy. I love that by the way. How did you come up with that name for your blog? Thank you. I've always been a Jane Austen fan. And although, because I say that, readers are often telling me like, oh, I feel so bad. I've never read her books. It's, it's fine. You don't have to apologize to me. But I, I wanted something that captured that, that idea that I would be talking about the timeless and also what's relevant to today and just started, started playing with fun combinations and that one stuck. Mm. And then also for your podcast, for our listeners, it's What Should I Read Next? So for our listeners, what are they to expect out of your show? We have used the same format since we first launched the show in January 2016. Every week a reader tells me three books they love, one book they don't, and what they're reading now. And I recommend three books they may enjoy reading next. And the reason I did this was because I kept getting questions. Once I started talking about books publicly on the internet, I'd get comments and emails from readers that would say, help me choose my next read. I've been reading duds. I don't know how to choose books I'm really going to enjoy. Can you help recommend a great book? But what I knew from talking about books with readers is that reading is personal and you may enjoy very different books than I do. And just because a book is a bestseller doesn't mean it's going to be right for you. And so I'd really been thinking in all these conversations with readers about how to help people find books they'll love. And that was the seed of the show. Mm, And that's still what we do today. Yeah. How do you find the time to do all the things you do? You have, like you said, you've got children, you've got this blog, you've got this show, and you've also um, published three books, which we will talk about in a minute. But how do you make the time to fit all of this in? Ooh, well, I'm playing to my strengths. And luckily, I've been reading for 40 years now. So I had a head start on um, the blog and the podcast by quite a bit. And also I have a really wonderful team. I I couldn't do all this myself. So I'm glad I don't have to. Yeah. So when you say you have a wonderful team, because we do have a lot of women in business and entrepreneurs listening to this show, 
what exactly are you good at delegating? Because this is the other thing too we've talked about on the show is about letting go of the control and absolute delegate anything that you can pull yourself out of. Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's so hard, especially because you're supposed to delegate the things that other people can do and keep the things that no one can do but you for yourself. But sometimes I really like some of those things that other people can do. But but I am really grateful to have a great team to be working with, especially in this past year of COVID. It was so nice to just continue to be able to socially connect with my team and talk to other people. And it's fun to make something that you're proud of together. But, oh gosh, what do people do? I mean, our What Should I Read Next producer walks our guests who, the way we do the show, sometimes we talk to your favorite author, but sometimes we talk to someone more along the lines of, your mom, your teacher, your niece, um, your physician, someone who will be in one podcast in their lives and it is ours. So our producer holds their hand and walks them through the process so that we get great audio and they're really comfortable and they feel ready to talk about the books they love and what they're looking for with me when it's time to record. I know that you know what that's like. Um, we have internet people who make everything behind the scenes work so that our site is functional and looks beautiful and doesn't go down and works well for readers. Um, and we have people who help me, um, like our summer reading guide just came out because I'm in the United States and we're on opposite seasons, but it was so great to have a team of readers um, just help make it look beautiful and have useful content that helps people get excited about what they may read in the season to come. Mm, that's beautiful and it is the opposite I'm sitting here looking like a, an Eskimo with a heater on so um it is very cold um at my end of the the woods that's for sure oh I'm just going to to meditate on that picture <laughs> to cool myself down on our hot humid days oh yeah and how hot is it um it is about 92 degrees Fahrenheit near uh, here today wow but a okay. cold snap is coming it will only be 79 on wednesday i can't wait mm, mm. Oh, isn't it funny we always want what we don't have i actually really try to <laughs> so true <laughs> yeah to relish in every season that presents uh you know whether it's rugging up or i think in summer the i think the, the only season i really struggle with is summer because it does get really hot at times in um australia and well australia melbourne i should say and um and I think there's only so much you can do when it gets really, really super hot. That's true. But you make a good point that there's almost always something to appreciate mm. about every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Anne, I'm curious, during your very creative and adventurous journey, what has been one of the greatest lessons that you have learned thus far? Oh, um. It took me, whether this says something about my personality, if you're into Enneagram types, I am a nine, um, or if it says something about being a woman in a creative space, it, it took me a, a little while to realize that I'm the one making this blog and this podcast and I don't, I can do what I want with it. Like I didn't even realize until I stopped that I I was very conscious of doing it right and kind of wanting permission to experiment with new formats. And just, I want, I wanted approval for it. 
um, not from like my audience, but from the official podcast people. And it took a long time for me to even realize I was doing this and to say, wait, hang on, I'm making this show. And if I think something is going to make it good, then by golly, like that's what it ought to be. But until I had this realization, I was holding myself back in a way I was completely blind to. So I felt rather foolish when I realized I was doing it, but you have to realize you're doing it or you can't stop. Absolutely. So so was that a bit of a, a turning point for you with your podcast? You obviously, the show was running a particular way and then you shifted gears after you realized that you actually uh, can be as creative as you would like from the, on this platform. Is that correct? I think this is such a strange space, like blogging and podcasting. It's I feel like we're all making it up as we go along. Um, I was actually reading an interview with Conan O'Brien this morning where he said, it's, it's so weird how creative spaces work. You flip from being brand new to being an expert in an instant. Like there's no in-between ground. And it took me a little while to realize like, Hey, I might have been making this up as I go. I didn't go to school for podcasting. I don't know. Well, now now you can, but five years ago, nobody did. Um, but I, I know what I'm doing now. And it is really okay to act like it. And Catherine, some days I really feel like I know just enough to be dangerous. But I certainly have the skills I need to do my job. And learning to own that really has been a journey. It is. I know. I t- tell me about it. I think uh, we've been going... We started, well, the I Am Woman project started off with a blog platform. So we had women from all over the world writing um, for us. Then we turned into a magazine, then a podcast. And we've kind of just evolved over time. And, you know, quite often I have people speak to me about blogging and podcasting. And I've also had uh, uh, people that I know that it started and that was just too hard. I think that it's got to be... For me, it's about coming from the heart. That's one. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for other people. I'm I'm doing it as in a way to bring inspirational women like yourself, Anne, uh, having soulful conversations uh, for our listeners. And our listeners are actually a part of this show. So they basically um, will you know write an email. Hey, how about getting so and so on the show? And so it is has evolved over time. What would be some advice that you would give to those that are looking at starting either a blog or a podcast, what would be something that they would need to consider before stepping into it? Ooh, something I hear a lot from from our listeners and readers who who sound a lot like your audience is, oh, I feel like I'm late. Like I feel like I'm too late. The moment has passed. There's no hope for me. Um, I felt like I was so late when I started in 2011. And I would just like to say that you are not late. There is always room for great work. There's always room for it. And it might not be great when you start, but blogging and podcasting, like it's something that you have to learn by doing it and give it a try. But Mm -hmm. don't let, don't let your fear that it's too late be the thing that holds you back. That's right. If it's really good, there's room. Yeah, I agree. I think, and it's it's another way to communicate, especially nowadays. You have a look at uh, there's more people. I mean, I think in the last twelve months, even more so because of the the lockdown, there's more people uh, starting a podcast or a blog as a way to connect with the you know the um, not not just even their 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 
um, within their environment, but external, like going global is kind of the thing now. It's, it's There's not a local thing. It's a global thing, yeah. I think. Mm. So, Anne, let's get into your books. You have three books, which I absolutely love the title. Did you want to talk us through your books? And I don't know in, in which order, whether you'd like to go to your first, to your third or third and then second and third. How would you like to talk through your books? Um, let's go chronologically. So reading people, the subtitle is how, wow, I haven't said this in a long time, Catherine, how seeing the world through the lens of personality changes everything is focused on one of my nerdy interests. I'm fascinated by personality type and how it helps us better understand ourselves and others in ways that really impact the way we structure our days and live our lives and interact with the people we love and live with and work with. Um, so that's what reading people is about. It's an overview of seven of the personality types, the personality frameworks that really helped me the most and affected the most changes in my life as I came to use them. And what I really wanted to do in that book is give readers just quick wins, easy understanding. This is how it works. This is what it means for you. And this is how you can start putting this information to work in your life today. Uh, my next one is I'd Rather Be Reading. It's the one that's closest to my heart because it is about the reading life. This is an essay collection by a devoted reader written for people who love books as much as, as, much as book people do. Um, it's dedicated to anyone who's ever stayed up till two o'clock in the morning reading a flash reading a book under the covers with a flashlight when they were supposed to be sleeping so if that sounds like you I think you'll find kindred spirits in that book and my newest release that's already available is called don't overthink it and that's about learning to make easier decisions stop second guessing and bring more joy into your life by turning down the volume on overthinking and really learning what you can do instead Oh, I've got it. That's there's bubbled up a couple of questions. So the first one, when you were talking about reading people, you talked about the seven personality types, and I know that you talked about Enneagram, and you were saying that you're a number nine. I'm a number seven, by the way. Um, oh, yeah, I know. And um, and I say I know because I I think that when I actually uh, studied Enneagram and then realized what personality trait I was, it actually really helped me ground me realizing that I could be really out there with my thinking um, mm-hmm. or, or, and get and get really distracted with shiny new things, which really helped me. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious about what are the seven personality types, just high level, that you speak about in your oh, book? Oh, gosh, there are so many more than just seven, but the ones I cover are Enneagram, of course, Myers-Briggs, StrengthsFinder. And there's also one I cover in there that's not strictly speaking a personality framework, but it functions as one in the sense that if you understand, it's the concept of being a highly sensitive person, which if you're not familiar with that phrase and Elaine Aaron's work, I'm betting it doesn't mean what you think it means. It's referring to your nervous system, not your emotions. But just read, reading chapter five about being a highly sensitive person and what that means and what that looks like can instantly change your life. Because it just, when you understand what's fundamentally different about you as a person, because you have this trait or your, your kid 
as a person because they have this trait, like it can change everything, just understanding how it works. So those are the kind of insights I was trying to give in this book with, you know, here's the framework, here's how it can manifest. This is what you need to know. This is what it means. This is what to change with resources for further exploration. Mm, I love that. And it's so true. I think that sensitivity and, and it, I, for me, I only really got to understand what that was until, um, because it, it is a, a level of, uh, when you said nervousness, I got anxiety is, is, is the kind of the thing that was bubbling up for me. And when I feel because of that, I think the sensitivity I've purposely selected not to be around certain environments that create that sensitivity or that heightened sensitivity um, and sometimes around even people there's certain people I've distanced myself from uh, because it, it's it, these emotions um, bubble up on these this nervousness feeling of um, uh, but never took that on as a personality trait but it is when you think about it it's interesting how it functions as one because it's a it's a physiological thing it's it's not so it's not strictly speaking personality but just understanding what makes you unique um can really can really be empowering and lead you to make some really effective changes that that are easy to do but first you have to know that they're needed mm. yeah absolutely yeah so true no it's interesting um i love the fact that because it is it actually makes my personality i just never looked at it that way which is um different way of looking at it thank you for that so I'd love to and the other thing that bubbled up for me when you were talking about your book don't overthink it this is something that I struggle with and I know a lot of our listeners struggle with as well we've talked about this a lot in the show and I guess my trick to uh, when I get caught in my head uh, and over overthinking um, I drop into my heart uh, as a way to take away from that over process what is your trick Oh, gosh. Well, I think it's great if everyone can develop a whole toolbox. It's great if you can drop into your heart, but sometimes that's not enough to pull. Pe- well, no, sometimes someone, hypothetically speaking, or it, we could just say it's me, might be a little too caught in that Instagram cycle or that spin cycle of a thought like, why is, why is my child not home? They are two minutes late. They must be in a ditch somewhere. What will we do next? You know, just that that negative thought spiral. Um walking out of the room can be really effective when you when you change when you move your body you move your mind um this is why so many people love to run and do jumping jacks to take breaks or just take a walk around the block but moving your body to move your mind has been just a little alliterative catchphrase that has helped me so much and that that's what i call mind and body connection absolutely moving does help shift um whatever you're stuck on Yes. I mean, it helps you change your mind, but it also literally changes your perspective. And that's often what we need to snap ourselves out of whatever, whatever um, rut we seem to be stuck in at the moment. Mm, absolutely. So, and how does one make a, a, a decision, an easier, like you've got, you talked about making easier decisions. And I, I've, I've had um, different women on the show talk about their decision process. What would be a, a simple process for us to make a decision uh, quickly or easier? Ooh, okay. That obviously depends greatly on the situation, but a strategy that I like to apply whenever possible is to limit my options. Um, 
whatever I'm looking at. If I can find a way to filter down my options from the seemingly infamous, let's, let's say you're shopping for a bedspread. If you get on the internet and you're shopping for a bedspread, they're probably actually, if not a million, definitely a few thousand options you have. But if you can find a quick way to narrow that down, um, you're going to use so much, so much less mental energy that can likely, for most of us, depending on our jobs and our situation, be put to better use elsewhere. Now, if you're a bedspread designer or an interior decorator, maybe that's not precisely true. But for most of us, we have mental energy that we could really use for other things that won't be available if we use it on that bedspread decision. So we want to make it easier for you. And if I were thinking about doing that, I would think about looking um, from just one source, say. That, that's a frequent way to narrow down a decision like that. And I deliberately picked something that wasn't like moving moving to a city. Should I or shouldn't I? We could talk about that too. But saying I'm just going to look at this one place can instantly take your options from you know thousands, if not more, to dozens, which is a big improvement. It's funny that you said about moving into the city. I can't tell you how many people are moving out of like some of the uh, people that I've had on the show moving away from California and even in Australia, moving mm-hmm. out of Victoria mm-hmm. because of these crazy lockdowns. Um, mm-hmm. So let's go there because I know there's a lot of people listening to this show who are actually right in the middle of thinking about moving cities and don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, my advice would be um, well, Catherine, the good and the bad about the strategies in the book is that they're so versatile. There are any number you can apply to any situation. But the one I'd like to highlight here is to decide what matters. I mean, of course, you're making a decision about moving. You know that. That's clear. But why are you making that decision about moving? If you can identify the values driving the decision, it will make your decision clearer. So are you looking for a different community? Are you looking because of economics? Are you looking because of career? If you can identify the factors driving your choices, the decision will become clearer. Now, we often make decisions in light of competing priorities, but just saying, this is what the factors are. This is how important they are, can really make what can often be like the jumbled thoughts that we have in our head clear so that we can think about it in a more orderly way that feels feels more satisfying to us. I can't tell you how many times uh, I I just struggle to put into words what the actual issue is I'm facing and just asking yourself a question like, what are my values here? What really matters? Can Mm. put those things into words and when we do, it becomes clearer. I love the fact that you even brought up values is, is actually what is important to you. Absolutely. Like with anything that we do, whether it's a career, a relationship, uh, you know, even the town that you live in, it's what is important to you. What do you value about that the most versus where you're about to move to? Because sometimes I think that we make moves because we want to run away. But is that a right move for us? Just a thought. That's a good question. Mm. That's a good question. Mm. So the other thing that I'd love to unpack, as I was saying, when you were uh, introducing your books, I had these things bubbling up, which are... One really, uh, and I know that our listeners will um, connect with this one, is second guessing. How does one stop second guessing? Because I know you were talking about that negative loop. Um, 
I've been on that negative loop where I've second guessed myself. But what will people think? What will they, you know, who do I think I am? And it goes on and on. So how does one stop second guessing themselves? Something that was really helpful for me to realize was how tied second guessing is to perfectionism. When I realized that so much of second guessing was just applying a perfectionism a perfectionistic lens, not to the decision I was about to make, but to decisions that have already gone by. I've already done it and there's no changing it now. That really helped me be easier on myself because I would like when I see myself being perfectionistic in the present tense, when I recognize it, I know that's a bad thing and I can turn down the volume on that, if not stop it completely. So just realizing that connection is really freeing for a lot of people. Um, now, I hope you find good strategies and don't overthink it, but this is a whole book about um, about stopping overthinking or stopping overwhelm and making easier decisions and bringing more joy into your life. But I was excited to hear that one of the authors I really enjoy reading for nonfiction, Daniel Pink, he's based in the US, has a whole book about regret coming out, I think next year. And so I'm going to be looking forward to that one. Mm, I love it. Do you think though that everything we currently go through, let's let's go with second guessing, it serves a purpose? Um, sometimes it does. You know, it's so interesting that you asked that because this is a conversation that I have with my children who I'm trying to help learn what they can from a given situation without belaboring it to the point in which it just makes them feel bad. Now, if you are experiencing regret over a situation, then by all means, ask yourself why, because that's, that's data that you can use to decide better next time. But you can get that information pretty quickly. You can figure out what you need to know, what you might have done differently, you know, evaluate, like put into words, what does that mean for the future? But at that point, it's time to move on because you, you won't accomplish anything else besides making yourself feel bad. And we don't want that for you. Mm, so true. You you actually mentioned before about second guessing was linked to perfectionism. Do you also see that second guessing is linked to the inner critic? Oh, I mean, ab- absolutely. I think all of those things are strongly tied. And with, I mean, I don't anticipate ever completely silencing my own inner critic. That's not my goal. But uh, we empower the inner critic by um, feeding her, um, you know, material for years and over time by consciously uh, adopting other mental habits, we can help her shush a little bit or a lot over Mm. the long term. Yeah, I agree. I don't think you'll ever stop your inner critic voice. I think it's just about identifying the voice. I, I, for me, I was, I was able to name it and then identify the voice to then be able to connect and dance with, with, with my inner critic to, to get an understanding of what these narratives, uh, and why these narratives keep coming up and repeating themselves, um, which mm-hmm. a lot of the times are not even our stories. Yes, and that's really wise to to pay attention to them because what we know is that when we understand why our thoughts go a certain direction and why that voice so often appears in a certain way, that's when we can do something about it. But until we understand what's happening, we're powerless to make any change. 
Mm. So what would our uh, listeners um, find? You're saying that there's a lots of um, data in the book, Don't Overthink It, a, little, a lot of exercises as a way to help through the process. What would be some other um, tips out of your book that you would like to share with us? Something that many people find really helpful is to use, oh, this is, this is, well, there's a funny story there, but it might be too long for today. Um, but to use the power of change perspective. So we talked about how when you, when you go outside, you literally change your perspective and it helps you unlock from whatever negative thinking cycle that you're stuck in. But another way to change perspective is with a little mental trick. And when many people are uh, facing a decision, say, asking themselves, you know, if, if my best friend were in the situation, what would I tell her to do? Or, you know, ima imagine I'm my best friend. Like, what? how would I be thinking about this right now? That can really help us get a fresh look at what can be too familiar thoughts in our own minds. I love that. It's it's a way of, once again, it's putting, it's, it's almost like role playing, isn't it? It's you're putting it out, um, out of that first, uh, out of yourself, right? And, and putting it, it's almost like, um, I don't know if you've heard of perceptual positions where you can mm -hmm. shift different positions um, whether from the first person to the second person to the third person will change the dynamics and the paradigm of your thinking, which is what you speak about. Um, that's interesting. My friend is a writing coach. She helps authors write books. And she says a frequent trick that she uses in her own work and that she tells other writers to use is, okay, you get to a point in your book and you are stuck because you can't figure out how to solve this, this you know, plot point. She says that she's learned to ask herself, well, what if this were the answer? You know, what, what if, what if this were the way, what would it mean? Then what happens? And it just, it unlocks something in us because it helps us think about it differently. Mm. Even though nothing changed except our perspective. Yep, absolutely. And it's another exercise that I do sometimes where I'm working with someone and they get stuck in their thought and stuck in the narrative. I get a chair and uh, put the other person. So it's obviously uh, not the real person, but um, I uh, ask them to visualize that person is sitting in front of them. And what it does, it's, it's the same concept as perceptual positions. It takes the character and the narrative out of the individual. And so they're able to uh, look at it from a different perspective, but also the, the conversation that takes place is so amazing. Um, uh, to, to watch unfold. That's so, fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is fascinating. Very fascinating. So, and I'd love to um, uh, get a bit of an understanding with you as a, as a, um, a, an individual, creative individual. Do you ever come across pain points? And that could be a pain point in business or a pain point, point in life. What would be a big pain point for you? And how do you work through your solution? <laughs> oh, the first thing that came to mind, uh, the solution is still very much in process. Um, this, this may sound silly, but a pain point I often run into is that the more I read for more my job, the greater well of resources I have to, to draw on to talk to, to other readers. Um, and I occasionally have this horrible moment where I think, oh, I'm never going to be able to finish all the books published this week, let alone all the books published over the years that I want to read for my job. 
but, but working through it is still, that's an ongoing struggle, Catherine. You know, as you were saying that, I'm smiling because my son and I had this conversation just the other day. Oh, we were, we, because we were talking about, because he, he's, um, uh, uh, just only literally got into reading probably in the last couple of years. He was very a late starter like me. I, I wasn't, I didn't enjoy reading that much when I was little. Um, but then that's probably because we came to Australia from France. Uh, but over time, obviously, um, I've really enjoyed it and lost, like you said, you lose time in a book. And so we were talking about how do we get, how do we get more books under our belt, so to speak. And um, I said to him, what I do is I read my book. So I, I make it every day, at least even if I only do 10 pages a day, but read. But also what I do is listen to audio books as a way to get through as many books as I can. I don't know if that's going to help, Anne, but uh, what are your thoughts? <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, I often find, again, that this is a perspective thing for me. I'm, I'm never, I'm looking around my office now and there are just stacks and stacks everywhere. I don't think I could finish them before the year is over, um, let alone the week, which sure would be wonderful if I could snap my fingers and do that. Um, I do find that in many moods, I find this quote unquote problem to really just be one of glorious abundance. And I can think how wonderful that there are so many books I am excited about reading. That's where I try to stay mentally. But then every once in a while, <laughs> my brain goes, <laughs> panic, panic. What are we going to do here? Mm. As I'm curious, and how many hours a day do you invest in reading? It's, oh, it's hard to answer only because I don't keep as close track of the, it's harder to track the audiobooks because it's five minutes here and seven minutes there. But I think it's generally one to three. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's a lot. Absolutely. Okay. So if we were to go back in time, Anne, what advice would you give your younger self? to just start you'll figure it out as you go Mm, I love that and it's it's also be very be very careful of whose rules you're paying attention to I'm a rule follower by nature um so often I'm looking for structure and advice and is this okay but so many times the only person who can decide that is me and I just want to be I want to urge my younger self to pay attention to whose rules you're actually choosing to care about you know it's it's interesting it goes back to what you were saying there's a lot of people that are held back because a they don't have a plan it's got to be perfect the whole perfectionism gets in their way of just starting yeah yes it's very true Mm, so love that so as we start wrapping up the show and we'd love to ask our women of inspiration pick one word that best describes her personal brand what would be that one word for you my dearest Oh, I hope it's expand um, possibility. possibility. Let's go with possibility. I love that. There is, I think there is an abundance of possibility if we choose to look for it. I love that. And then the last question that we always love to ask our woman of inspiration, I can't say it today for some reason, uh, what are three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to give 
to our listeners today. So that could be like three practical exercises. Let's focus on the reading life since I just confessed to feeling a little overwhelmed by my own sometimes. Most days I love it, Catherine, but it just so happens that I was reorganizing all the books I haven't read just before we started our discussion today, and I think that's top of mind. So in case any listeners relate or they're looking to put a little more oomph in their reading life, let's go that direction. Um, I would urge you listeners to... Stop reading books that you are not enjoying. You are a grown-up and nobody's going to make you finish that book but you. And I talked to so many readers who slog through the end of books that they began just because they feel like they're a terrible person if they set them aside because they're somebody who finishes what they start. But in the reading life, you really do have permission to set a book aside if it's not working for you or if the timing is wrong, which is often the reason that is the case. So number one. Stop reading those books that aren't right for you right now. You can come back to them later if at all. It is okay. The reading police are not going to come get you. Um, two, I would really encourage you to track what you read. Even if this is so simple as doing it on an index card as a bookmark, write down what you read. That will help you remember what you enjoy reading and what you don't. And um, let you feel a, a sense of accomplishment to look back and say, like, oh, I did this. One of my friends with young children said, you know, the house is always filthy, like even right after I vacuum. The dishwasher, you know, fills up again every day. But that book I read, it stays read. Nobody can take that away from me. And number three is just to um, follow the things you're excited about. I talk to a lot of readers who don't aren't excited about the books they're reading. They don't want to read because they just don't care that much because they're picking up books they feel like they should read, either because they feel like the smarts, I hope you can hear my air quotes, the smart people are reading them or somebody assigned it in school a long time ago and they never finished it and they feel guilty about that. Just, I would really encourage you when it comes to the reading life, you know, when you're reading for self-improvement and for enjoyment and just because you want to as a grown-up, follow your excitement and your enthusiasm. It will serve you well. And I love all three and I think they're quite unique. I don't think we've ever had these kind of shiny gold nuggets. I love the way the fact that you said stop reading the a book that you don't enjoy because I can't tell you how many times someone has recommended a book and they'll say, so hey, Catherine, how are you going with it? I'm like, yeah, it's okay. But you got to keep at it. It's going to be, it's just going to get better. Just keep at it. And so you kind of push yourself to get to the end and go, mm, it's just still, mm. So I love that. And then track your reading. So how do you track your reading? Because I know for me, sometimes when I get a new book, I don't want to highlight it. I don't want to write on it. So what's your trick with tracking what you read? Oh, I wish I'd been doing this my whole life. I have friends who had, and I'm so jealous of their longtime written logs. But for six or seven years now, just in my regular journal that I use to plan my days, I have a list of books I've read and I just write down the title, the author, the days I read it. I actually also write down the format. Was it an ebook, a paperback, an audiobook? I write that down too, but that's it. So when I'm trying to think, uh, like if I'm talking with a friend and she says, have you read anything good lately? I can't always immediately remember what I've read these past months, but it's right there in my journal. Or if I feel like I haven't been reading a lot lately, I can look to my journal and it will tell me 
yes, you're right. Or no, actually, you've just forgotten those books you've read. Um, or if I'm looking to make connection between what I'm reading or trying to think of a story that I know I read in the pages of the book, but I'm not sure what, like, it's all right there in my journal. And when readers do this over time, they can really look over their list and get a feel for, am I reading as much fiction as I want to? Am I reading books by women or books by men? Um, am I reading Am I reading as much as I want to? I talk to a lot of people who say they wish that they were regular readers. And there's a funny thing about tracking something. The old saying is you get what you measure. When you track the books you read, you tend to read more. And I'm sure many listeners would consider that to be a good thing. And if tracking reading on your own sounds intimidating for you, if you don't know how to start a journal, I have a book journal finally coming out uh, September 21st. It's called My Reading Life, a book journal, and it holds your hand and walks you through it, gives suggestions of things you might want to jot down, but it can be as simple as capturing the author, the title. It's, I love it's that. It'll change your reading life. That's awesome. Thank you so much for, for um, the advice and for bringing out such a great gift for all of us to invest in and as a way to track what we read. So thank you so very much. Love it. So, and where is the best place for our listeners to find you? My hub on the web is my blog. It's modernmrsdarcy.com. And we will have that in the show notes. And I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your wealth of wisdom, your time and your energy. Thank you so very much. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit that subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katrinplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Catherine Plano. Until next week, please take care of yourself. Much love and gratitude. Thank you.